There comes a time when Satan, the destroyer of our soul, the one who hates us, is locked up and bound for 1,000 years. Wow, that's a very interesting time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And the name of this program is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And today, we are in Revelation 20. This is a fascinating read. We're going to study that in about five minutes, so make sure you stick around for that. Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? All right, well, the Apostle John, the man who probably penned the book of Revelation, was considered the beloved disciple of Jesus. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the, pro in the program. All right, very good. That's excellent. Look forward to that, Janice. Praise to God. Make sure you have your Bible and open it to Psalm 47. Oh, that's going to be really, really a good one. You're with us a little bit later, Matlock. It's going to be great. <laughs> so let's get to the program. Open up your Bible and let's read. Revelation 20, 1 through 10. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired... Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Revelation chapter 20. We slowed down just a little bit these last two days of the year, which we will be speaking about Revelation 20 and 21. Now, the millennial kingdom 
This is, as some call it, Jesus Christ reigning as priest king for 1,000 years here on earth. This period is often spoken about in the book of Psalms. For example, see Psalms 47, Psalms 48, Psalms 72, Psalm 100, Psalm 110. And it was promised to King David years earlier. This is also the time period in which Satan, the enemy of our soul, will be bound and locked up in the bottomless pit so that he cannot deceive the nations. The saying, the devil made me do it, won't be true. In other words, the kingdoms of the world will be subject only to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ during this time. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison to go out for a short time, once again, and deceive the nations. He will gather from every part of the earth all of those who are against God in a rebellious battle. Anyone who chooses not to believe or serve God will be judged by him accordingly. That is not something that I recommend in any way, shape, or form. That's something that I highly do not recommend against, or do not recommend for, but I recommend against. Take your Bible guide the last day today in December. Uh, the January guide has already been sent out, so make sure you get yours. Takes you through the Bible with us next year. All new material. Very, very excited about it. But you need to write for yours or call for yours or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can download it today. The thousand year reign. This is the future. This is looking at the future in the Bible. That's how I see it. That's how I interpret the Bible. So let's pray. And Father, help us today to hear your word in the thousand year reign. Teach us your way, Lord Jesus, and show us your path. Father, I pray that we would not uh, apply our preset beliefs to the scripture, but help us to read the scripture and learn what your Holy Spirit says to us. Father, there's the Holy Spirit. And when he is activated by his own words, he stirs our spirit. So stir our spirit today about the future. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together, amen. Now, let's look at this. Revelation 20, verses 1 to 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon that serpent of old, who is the devil, the destroyer, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, this is absolutely amazing. Satan will be bound for 1,000 years. Jesus Christ will rule, and the only hint of rebellion will come from the human nature. Beloved, listen to me carefully. We start sin. Now, that can be proven. The Bible tells us, you know, Eve and Adam, they questioned God and they started sin. Satan was there to fulfill it. Beloved, we have to remember, and you know, we will remember this, that when God removes Satan, our natures, our free will natures, and we tend to start sin. 
We have to give our nature to God and allow him to shape it. Now that's important because that's how God will help us. That's what he's going to demonstrate in this thousand years. Now, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Here's what it says. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Okay, so this is important. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. Witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Now this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's amazing. Heaven and earth will be merged like never before. And let me tell you something. God rewards those people who made the decision not to take the mark of the beast. It seems that those who rule with Christ will be those who died for Christ. You know, I can't say this enough. God always rewards those who are persecuted for his name, who are giving the gospel, doing the things that God has called them to do, and they're put to death or they're persecuted. Let me tell you something. God has has for you a great reward. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we go out and try to get persecuted, but that's important to remember. All right, Revelation 27 to 10, it says this. Now, when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. So they went up on the breadth of the earth and they surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. This, this is incredible. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. What? Absolutely. The devil who deceived them was then cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Which brings me to the third point. Satan is released out of the bottomless pit to deceive the nations again. Satan will quickly be defeated, beloved. Quickly. And let me say this. The judgment of God is so determined and so pointed that I don't want anybody who's listening to my voice right now to be involved in that judgment. So I want you to come to Christ. You don't have to call anything, buy anything, give anything. You just need to give your life to the Lord. And if you sense in your spirit something happening, that is the Holy Spirit talking to you. Holy Spirit, speak to their heart right now. Speak to their heart. If you want to accept Jesus Christ, you simply acknowledge that he is the Lord and that we killed him 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross. But after three days, he rose again in the flesh. And he is the Lord. He ascended to the right hand of God, 
sent his Holy Spirit. Father, forgive us of our sins. We need to change. We repent. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. We need you right now, more than ever, actually, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back to the program. Today, we continue our reading through the stunning book of Revelation, and I firmly believe that this book was penned by John the Apostle. Now, what's interesting about John is that according to tradition, he was known as the beloved disciple. Now, interestingly, there's only one other man in the Bible who's called beloved of God. And similarly, Abraham is called a friend of God three different times in the Bible. So the question is, what does it mean to be beloved of God and a friend of God? Abraham has many titles in scripture, but perhaps the most notable and significant is Friend of God, a title by which he's called no less than three times in the Bible. These include 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, and in the New Testament, James chapter 2, verse 23. It is interesting then that Hebron, which is one of the main places Abraham lived and where he was buried, is a Hebrew name which means friend. In fact, even when the Arabs later took it over, they renamed it to its Arabic name, El Halil, meaning the friend. According to the scriptures, being a friend of God is no small thing. In fact, part of the close friendship relationship is disclosure of the future. This can be seen in Genesis chapter 18, where God and two angels pay Abraham a visit. Privately, God asks the angels a rhetorical question. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? The obvious answer was no. Another instance where God disclosed the future to Abraham is through the offering up of Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. Indeed, some have supposed that Abraham wanted to know how it was that God would bless all the families of the earth through his seed, as promised in Genesis chapter 12. Thus, it is conjectured that our Lord designed a way to teach him, through an experience, what he had already communicated to him in words. He was given a prefiguration or a type of the sacrifice that the last in the line of the seed, that is Christ, would accomplish. At the very least, Abraham knew he was acting out a prophecy because he named that place Jehovah Jireh, meaning in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. This concept of disclosure being linked to friendship with God is also consistent into the New Testament. Jesus declares to his disciples in John chapter 15 verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. One step beyond being a friend of God is to be beloved of God, and there are only two people in the entire Bible who are given such a title. The first is the Old Testament prophet Daniel, who is called beloved three times in his book. And the second is the New Testament disciple John the Apostle, who is famously known as the Beloved Disciple. 
It is of no insignificance or coincidence, then, that Daniel and John are the two greatest sources of prophetic revelation in the Bible, Daniel with his book and John with Revelation. Because of their faithfulness and obedience, God disclosed revelation to them, not given to any others. Thus we observe not only a consistency between the Old and New Testaments, but also, and more importantly, within the nature of God. You know what excites me the most about this is that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ are also considered the friends of God. And if you're in doubt about that, then I want to remind you that he's also disclosed the future to you and me. And he's done it through his word, the Bible. That's right. If you're truly a believer, then you take his word seriously. Or at least you should be taking his word seriously. And if you do, then you'll understand that God has graciously laid out his plans for the future right here in his word. You know, I wonder what would happen if people truly understood that the Bible is the very word of God and that in it, he's revealed to us his plans for the future. Remember, the Bible isn't just a book about the past, but also about the future. So make sure your future is secure. God has made a way through Jesus Christ, but you have to accept it. Yeah, it's really important to do that. You accept it by saying, Jesus Christ, you're my Lord. I need you to be in my heart today. I believe you died and rose again in the flesh, and I need you to be the Lord of everything I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Just pray that prayer and accept the Lord. Uh, that becomes important. You know, they did a study, and in the open generation, they discovered that teenagers, 21%, uh, uh, actually 22% of teenagers in the world read the Bible three times a week, and that is unbelievable. I, I didn't think it was that much, but that's incredible. Now, as they get older, it drops off, but very, very interesting. We'll talk more about that uh, for time to come. Janice? Mm -hmm. Well, Revelation chapter 20, I titled this segment, Praise to God, and asked you to get your Bible ready. Psalm 47, we're going to read that together. Praise to God, the ruler of the earth. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Yeah, Praise is, the Lord. That is a great song. Isn't a great song. That <laughs> is excellent. Um, as we continue to talk to Matlock, Babetchko, who's here, he's married to my daughter, and he is... Uh, <laughs> Great. About 10 years ago, he came to know the Lord. Um, and today, you do a number of things for us. Tell us what you do for the ministry. Well, I'm a COO, so I deal with some of that stuff. A lot of the organizational stuff and operational sense stuff. And then I also do some of the creative stuff. So like we, like I designed the opener, um, Corey segments, right? All those promos that no so, one really likes. So, I like that. I do too. The uh, music like of this program and the opener you designed. 
Right. Well, yeah. yeah or, or, yeah, I've collected. Yeah, curated. And you also do the promos. So when they see the promos for the Bible guides or they see them for right. some of the new things that have happened, you've put all that together. Yes. So, and the weekend edition that you and Corey have oh, done right. as well this past yeah, year. Yeah, so we've done the weekly recap, and now we're going to try to do the weekend show, yes. which is different. But yes. yes, yeah, yeah. And the weekend show is going to be interesting because that's going to be uh, ready for uh, stations if they want to air it. So, and several stations have already talked to me about it. But anyway, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure, but I'm just saying it's, <laughs> it's in place. All right. But uh, my question is when you write, and I've been watching your articles, and, and you work with the website as well. Right. Uh, and on the website, you end up writing and doing things and organizing um, Corey and uh, Ryan's pieces and yourself. Yes. Um, you wrote uh, about creation and uh, yes. all of the work that's been going on there. So you come from a Christian home, but you were nominally Christian, not really a Christian. You, right. God says, I want you, marry Corey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's what he spoke to you. Uh, so when you write this and when you get ready for this now, how do you deal with people when they come to you with a challenge on the Bible? Somebody comes to you and say, I don't believe the word of God. I don't believe the Bible is the word of God. What do you say? Well, okay, that's a big that's a big one because you're basically saying, do you believe in supernatural or do you believe in something that's natural? So that's what somebody says. Right. And so and, and there's is obviously in our culture, we're very, very much a naturalistic culture. So you're, you're dealing with it depends on each person. You can't just be like, well, you know, here's your. Here's your answer, and therefore it works for everybody the same way. Like there is, but there are there are people who are yeah. watching right now who have daughters and sons who have said this to them. Yes. So I'm asking you the question: How would you respond? I don't believe the Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't well, believe the Bible is the word of God. Maybe children who have been brought up in the church too, and have and have left, have gone away. Yes. And so they they'll say to their parents, "Well, I don't yeah. believe in that would, anymore." I would pry into what they mean by that. So what do you mean you don't believe in the word of God? And what do you like? So you to, because there's so many different emotional or even spiritual reasons why they're removing themselves from the church or from God. You see what I'm saying? Why they're distancing themselves. Uh, for me, there was some confusion. I, I, you know, I was went to Baptist church on Sundays. Right. I went to Catholic school Monday to Friday. My other half of my family's Orthodox. Okay, so what I'm saying is, so for me, it was kind of like, okay, everyone's saying this is dogmatically true, and then, but you're disagreeing on what's dogmatically true. Like, is there absolute truth or is there not? Right? It's, and so that to me was that there was confusion there. So depending on where the person's coming from, that's going to give you a basis to which by which to speak about that, right? So um, if someone comes, I don't believe the Bible for, let's say, I don't believe in supernatural. I don't believe this, right? Well, then there's different ways to approach that. Okay, so you don't believe in the supernatural. Where did everything come from? Do you believe that nothing started everything? Do you see what I'm saying? So you can go down that, the, the cosmological angle. This, yeah, a lot this, of people go in that direction and they say, yeah, well, time just generated by chance and cells created and came together. They, right. That's what they believe. How do you answer that? Well, once again, it's just on a rational level. Just strictly like if you want to use math or just there's not enough atoms in the universe, okay, <laughs> to support the idea that life itself came from absolute nothing. Even I'm not even just talking about fine tuning. I'm talking about just like existence. Like there's not, when I so what I mean by there's not enough atoms in the universe. What I mean is like the amount of zeros that it takes or the probability of this for it to happen is like inconceivable. You can't even think of a number. So it's not just a miracle. It's by all standards technically impossible. 
because there's not enough material in the universe to support that idea. And we're all supposed to be material. So therefore, it's already, therefore the answer's already more than the sum of its parts. Because you need more zeros. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, do you see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. To actually quantify that there are atoms. So anyways, yeah. So, and somebody said to us here at the table, they said, well, God did a miracle in the beginning. He, he created things and, and all of that. But that means that if they're separating themselves from the church or pulling themselves away from God right. and they're using that, that's just an excuse. So there's got to be another reason. Well, an excuse. It could be it's two things. It could actually be a genuine ex- Like it could be an excuse that they're giving themselves so they want to live however they want to live. Or it could be sincerely misguided because someone can grow up in a, in a church atmosphere that was just dead wrong. And they come from like, a, let's say a corrupt church or whatever it is. And so now they're just done with that side of things mm-hmm. because they got a bad Christianity, quote unquote. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it really, it all depends. There's no blanket answer I can give. It really just depends where they're coming from. What do you mean that, you're, that you don't believe God, you know, is the author of the Bible or you believe the Bible is a human book? What do you mean by that? Because... It's just, life is too nuanced now to be able just to give blanket things. Obviously, there's truth. I'm not saying there's no truth. But what I'm saying is the person, in order for them to hear it, they need to be able to hear from where they're coming from. Because, and I'll say, the reason why is because the more and more you go away from God, the more and more selfish you're going to become. The more and more selfish you become, the more and more you need to hear things from your angle. It's pretty simple in my mind. So you need to articulate in a way that the selfish person can hear. And from that point, as the more, right? Because if they're so hardened, they're more closed off they are. So you need to do that. And then the better you are at disarming people, the better you are, do you see what I'm saying? At, that they can listen to you. So a lot of people have their, their guns ablaze, ready to shoot down the Bible because they think that it's terrible and all these things, right? Um, but if you can disarm those people, then you can actually have a legitimate conversation. Then they're actually be willing to actually hear uh, Christ through you. Not just a rational argument because God can use arguments, but Christ through you using arguments, using your lifestyle, using who you are as a person, your private and public life, everything. Excellent. So, yeah, that's it. That, that is just excellent. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk, continue on this on the next program. So make sure that you tune in and call people and tell them uh, you should watch this on the internet or on television. Join us on the Roku box. The Roku is a box that uses the internet, puts it on your television set. We have a channel there called BD Family and Friends, BD Family and Friends, or you can look up Bible Discovery, either one. But join us on Roku and uh, you can watch us anytime you want uh, on television. Very, very interesting. Today we pray, Lord, I ask you to help to understand, help me to understand these days in which I live because you're speaking and doing things right now. 